Reno's in Vegas, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. As you heard, uh, big help from Paul Padilla and Subaru of Las Vegas and uh, also helping us out down here courtesy of uh, Westwood One with the coverage of the Final Fours, Monster.com. Monster.com can help you slam dunk the job search and make your next career move. It's time to get off the bench. Go to Monster.com and win the job hunt. Uh, later in the show, we are going to talk to former UNLV coach Marvin Menzies, along with our pal Joe Esposito. Those guys are both working in Kansas City with the KC Ruse. But uh, good conversations all day. And uh, one I was really looking forward to was the uh, convo with the coach at Howard, Kenny Blakeney. If you don't recognize the name, was at Duke 91 to 95, was part of some unbelievable teams. He's also part of an unreal Coach K coaching tree and uh, started off the convo with uh, Kenny Blakeney just mentioning. Hey, those Duke teams of the time, I and mean, when you start looking at the roster and then the special teams of the year, that was a hell of an era. Yeah. No, I, first and foremost, thank you for having me. This is uh, one of the coolest things that I'm doing today. That's cool. Uh, because I grew up a Vegas fan. I was, uh, you know, I loved UNLV. I, I watched them back with, you know, Patio and Freddie Banks. And, I mean, are you kidding me? My man Mark, who was the point guard, Mark, Mark Wade. Wade. yeah. I loved watching them play because they played at a pace and a style that growing up in inner city Washington, D.C., we played we played like on a playground. So it really resonated with me um, seeing a UNLV team play. And, uh, you know, knowing David Butler, who was a Washingtonian that went to Coolidge High School that then played at, at UNLV and just to kind of the connections that we all had, uh, I was a huge fan, man. And, and uh, so to go to Duke and commit my, my, my senior year and watch Duke lose by like 80 points <laughs> <laughs> in a national championship game and seeing Bobby Hurley, uh, you know, it, it was just, wow. Um, I, was, I was in awe of their program and what Coach Tarkanian had done at that university. Just unbelievable job. And people still talk about them being the greatest team in college basketball history, and they got denied a back-to-back, losing 79-77. They had a last uh, chance but fell short. And I often think the guys who are on the Duke teams, if they hear greatest team ever, if you guys are like, wait a second, we beat them to deny them the back-to-back, and then we won back-to-back. Yeah, yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if we would say publicly that we're the greatest team ever, but we do talk about being one of the greatest teams ever. <laughs> yeah, that team included uh, the, the, the year you got there, uh, Bobby Hurley, Brian Davis, Christian Leitner, uh, Grant Hill, like I'm not going to forget that guy. Antonio Lang turned out to be a really accomplished player. You guys went 34-2 and back-to-back. I mean, it was, it was a great team. And, and the amazing thing is to recover, and this is Coach K and this the, uh, the culture at Duke, to recover from, like you said, losing by 80 points. Uh, and I think it turned out it was 30. I think it was 103-73, if I remember correctly. I hear it all the time. To recover you know, the next year and go, hey, we got beat by these same guys. We can beat them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of you know, us going into that game and I was a freshman and, you know, just learning my getting my footing in, in, in like the Duke culture. We we saw some articles that were in the paper that kind of were we noticed we thought UNLV was taking us lightly and that motivated us. And I think the motivation clearly came from the year before as well. Um, and going into that week of practice, I just remember I was a, I was a much better Greg Anthony than I was a Kenny Blakeney. <laughs> yeah, scout team. <laughs> scout team Greg Anthony. There and it was a lot of fun being Greg that week because I got to pass and shoot anytime I wanted to and kind of uh, play, play the way I, I grew up playing. And, uh, but what, what a wonderful experience. What a wonderful game. And just uh, all the memories that go along with that, you know, having a chance 
chance to beat them. And, you know, obviously they're one of the top, if not the top program in the country for those two years. Uh, just a real, real delight to have a chance to compete against those guys. That's voice Kenny Blakeney right here on ESPN Las Vegas. He's coaching at Howard. I want to talk about Howard in a couple of minutes. Last couple of things on that era and Duke. You guys also faced the Fab Five which at the time was an unbelievable collection of talent, just not the team that you guys were. No, it was, it was UNLV in the West, in the Midwest. Um, guys that had incredible swag, guys that played with an urban style of basketball, um, guys that just would, you know, were relentless in the way that they played. Uh, the, it was just, it was, you know, it was UNLV part two. Um, but what a wonderful, you know, series that we had with those guys over a four-year period, playing them in the Final Four, had them home and home with them at uh, Ann Arbor and also in Durham. Uh, and then I think, like, you know, those three programs are kind of connected at the hip for the rest of history, which is kind of neat. Oh, trust me. They are, because uh, anytime the name Bobby Hurley comes up, and he's at Arizona State, he is not a well-regarded guy in Las Vegas. When when you played uh, with Bobby, I mean, I don't know if you're thinking as a kid, hey, this guy's going to be a coach. But as it turns out, he's a coach. Uh, Danny Hurley is a coach. Obviously, their dad is a legendary Bob Hurley. Like, can could you... Maybe you look back now and you, you see it, but could you see it at the time that, you know, Bobby would go on to coach, uh, you're a coach, Chris Collins, coach, uh, who else? Oh, Jeff Capel, yeah. coach as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of neat. Like Bobby was my roommate, my uh, my my junior year. So living with him, I absolutely never thought he would ever be a coach. Um, really? You know, even though he comes from an incredible legacy of his dad and certainly Danny, uh, I could see Danny wanting to be a coach and being a coach more so than Bob. But really? I, I never thought Bob was going to be a coach. I could see Bob like at the you know doing something at the track with the horses or something like that. <laughs> um, that was more kind of style but uh to have him now be at arizona state you mentioned jeff capel uh chris collins that's at northwestern john shire um the legacy of coach k's guys are just like it's in and doing well is just kind of neat to see the coaching staff i was looking it up earlier Gaudette was there uh mike bray went on to have you know whatever it was 25 years at notre dame they were really and by the way jay billis was on the staff could Jay, if he didn't get into TV, could he have been like a 25, 30 year really successful head coach? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Quinn Snyder was also on the staff as well. So that's a pretty good tree. Not, no doubt, no doubt. Let's uh, let's talk about Howard. Um, first of all, why, why'd you pick up the gig? And I want you to talk about just basketball culture in the DC area. You're the math guy. Yeah, I, I wanted to be at Howard because it's Howard. Um, it is the number one HBCU in the country and one of the top 80 schools academically, and it fit my background. I grew up about two miles away from Howard and never really looked at Howard as a viable option for athletics. Um, growing up, you walk by the university so much, and you, I never saw them ever making the strides that I thought that Howard could make and should make in the athletic world. But 70% of our students are on financial aid. That's where all of our money go on educating students that are in need and making sure that those students go out and rock and kill it in the real world. Um, and I totally get it. So understanding how that brand works, understanding the history and the culture and the tradition of our alums, I really felt that if I can pair the two, athletics and basketball, with the academic side, that we can kind of maybe get this thing rolling a little bit. The voice of Kenny Blakeney, he coaches at Howard. You know, I'm old, I'm a little older than you, and you know, I think back to how important an education is, how important connections are. And when I see kids going to the transfer portal and then they make their decision, sometimes I look at it, I'm like, 
really? You're going to go to that school? Not to bang on certain schools academically, but when I saw Reese Brown from UNLV pick Howard, I was like, good for you, Reese. Good for you from an education standpoint. Whatever the basketball experience is from here, you got a second chance or you go get a a degree and maybe post-grad at Howard. That's an awesome decision. Yeah, no, it's a funny story about Reese. His sister, Sydney, Brown was at Columbia for my one year I was at Columbia and she and I became really close Um, she babysitted my daughter Naomi when she was about one and a half two years old and so I got to know the family the mom the dad we were actually recruiting Reese he was at Loomis Chafee at the time Um, I left Columbia I took the Howard job he did not want to go to Howard he went to UNLV and uh, spent a year and a half two years there and when he put his name in a transfer portal, I reached out to him oh, and did. already had a connection with him. So it was uh, kind of a seamless uh, transition a little bit. But I, I think Reese has a chance to be really, really good. He's uh, obviously a lot of the UNLV fans know that his mom died a, about a year ago or so from cancer. And, uh, you know, the grieving period for some, you know, is more difficult than others. And, uh you know, but I think Reese is going to be so special for us as a university. He's been a great ambassador, great on campus, great in the city. Last 90 seconds, and you go longer if you want. I think it's a really important topic, and we're seeing it all over sports. Um, I'm seeing a lot of African-American head coaches get their chance at 48, 51, 54. We had Marvin Menzies uh, about five years ago, and I don't think Marvin got his first head coaching gig um, You know, until 50s, and then the UNLV opportunity came along when he was in his middle and late 50s. How do we change things? Like, is the progress happening fast enough? Because I see a lot of lists out there for new head coaches, and I'm like, wait, I don't see a lot of diversity on this list. That's a great question, great point. Thank you for bringing it up. I I really don't know. I mean, uh, you know, back in the day when I was coming up, athletic directors were the ones that selected and made the choice probably with, you know, presidents and maybe key allies, right? And now it's search firms. Um, I've been in the business for four years and I've never met with one search firm. I haven't had uh, anybody reach out to me. I haven't worn it my first couple of years, but my last two years, we've done some historic things at Howard. We've had the first back-to-back winning season since 1986 at Howard. We had the first you know, NCAA bid in the last you know, 30 years. Um, there are some things that I think coaches in the HBCU world, I think black coaches in general are doing that are going unnoticed and unheard. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can make a little noise and some strides to be a little bit more seen. Yeah. And think about it. You started coaching for the audience. And Kenny Blakeney's with us. You started coaching in 95. Well, if you think of this, and this is my high school coach is the winningest high school Coach in the history of basketball. Right. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I played for Coach Mike Krzyzewski, the winningest college coach in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I come from good pedigree, um, but not having an opportunity for, you know, for me to be able to showcase that is just, but I'm I'm extremely blessed. I'm happy. I love Howard. And, uh, you know, I see Howard as being a university that we can build to be a Gonzaga, that we can be a San Diego State. We can do what Loyola Chicago done has done. We can be, um, you know, Butler that was in the Horizon League that go, went to back-to-back Final Fours, and that's my goal. Good stuff. We appreciate the time. Thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. There he is. Kenny Blakeney from a little earlier in the day. He's coaching at Howard, as I mentioned, former UNLV player. Reese Brown is their outstanding academic institution, and uh, he's building it up pretty well. And Boy, the, the Duke stuff is fascinating because now, I can't believe it's 30 years ago, but Blakeney, when he first came in, was on the Duke team that was trying to defend its NCAA title, shooting for a second title. Again, Bob Hurley, Bobby, Chris, uh, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, Antonio Lang, 
They went 34-2. and two. Um, Amazing run. So that was back-to-back titles. Uh, for UNLV fans, it sucks because they were the uh, team that had lost 103-73 to and then bounced back with a 79-77 win the next year in the semifinals. And Coach K's players are everywhere now. The uh, coaching tree is just insane with uh, big-time jobs, and uh, we see the effect of Coach K, who, by the way, Blakeney in his third year, actually make that his fourth year, they went to the Final Four again. They made the Final Four in five of six years. Hate to give Duke a lot of credit, but you kind of have to. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyer 766-1400. Call Matt and Justin for any help you need in Reno or Las Vegas or Henderson. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yeah, rolling on from the Final Four. We're going to have a conversation with uh, Brad Underwood, the coach at Illinois, and also a big part of Coaches versus Cancer. We're all set up at the convention center, big radio row. We are the last ones standing as uh, the West Coast. That always happens. So, But a really good time here today. Tomorrow we're going to be here all day long, and we'll be joined by Joe Esposito, who actually uh, joined us earlier today as a co-host. We're going to have some good conversations in the 5 o'clock hour with Joe and Marvin Menzies, and then out of nowhere, legendary Tubby Smith, joined us so uh, good times here at the final four cofield and company on the road uh brought to you by our friends at duluth trading company tell uncomfortable underwear to ride the bench and go buck naked no pinch no stink ari no sweat buck naked performance underwear only from duluth trading company it's kind of interesting down here in h-town i'm curious to see how big the attendance is for the games in the final four you know they're in the texan stadium so the capacity is monstrous. I do know this. Tomorrow, they start uh, three days of free concerts. And Megan the Stallion, love her, right? Love her. Uh, are you a big fan of Megan the Stallion, or is she not uh, up to up to snuff on your hip-hop meter? What kind of question is, of course I am. Okay, good. She's sold out. Um, Tim McGraw and a bunch of country stars are playing on Sunday. Tickets still available for that. But no surprise, Megan the Stallion, that show is sold out. But I think it's going to be a lot of locals. I am really curious to see what the attendance is with people coming in from all around the country. Now, while Willie and I, and I think Adam's on board with this, and so is JBT, we love the upheaval of the tournament. And, you know, teams like San Diego State, really good program on the West Coast. We're all familiar with them being in the same conference. UNLV is in the same conference in the Mountain West. We know how good this program is. And eventually they were going to break through to make an Elite Eight and possibly a Final Four. So while it's cool to have San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, which is one of the you know craziest darlings we've seen as a nine seed in the Final Four, UConn has tradition, and they travel pretty well. And then there's Miami. I don't know how well Miami fans travel for basketball. I'm sure they will. I think San Diego State will you know, have uh, at least a couple thousand fans here. I have no idea on Florida Atlantic. So what that means is maybe uh, Houston isn't going to get the influx of major dollar people coming into town. The good news is anyone who's coming can get in to see the game because uh, the latest ticket information from our buddy Arash Markazi, who's, who's got the uh, – Sporting Tribune, formerly of ESPN and the LA Times, he said the get-in price for Saturday's Final Four is $57 on one of the ticket resellers, which is extremely cheap. The national title game you can usually get cheap tickets to because obviously two of the schools and fan bases go bye-bye. Right now, the national title game on Monday is actually even cheaper at $55. Um, You can buy both sets of tickets Saturday and Monday, and it's only $80. So... Good news for the average fan out there. You can get in. Probably not the greatest news for 
uh, Houston, which I'm sure estimated this, you know, the hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of economic impact, and they made, you know, because there's no blue bloods here outside of UConn, which technically eh, kind of still is. They have the history, but you're not going to get the influx of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, I don't think, coming into town. Uh, we had a chance earlier to talk to Brad Underwood, who runs a really good program at Illinois and a really good conference in the Big Ten. And uh, talking to Brad, we got into the fact that, uh, well, you know, the, the Big Ten was a good conference this year. But, uh, you know, in the end, all the teams got knocked out. But we started off the conversation talking about what he does with Coaches versus Cancer. And he was just given an award, the Coach of the Year Award from Coaches versus Cancer. And asked him what he thought of that. That uh, means a lot. And it's, it's time we keep putting a doggone end to this thing. And I hope people are uh, um, out screening. But as, as coach, it's, it's a, um, we got a great platform with Coaches versus Cancer. Obviously, Lon does an incredible job with his event in Vegas. Looking forward to being out there in mid-May. And, and uh, we've got a big event in Champaign, Illinois, uh, April 11th. And uh, uh, we're excited to raise a bunch of money and uh, keep doing our part. Excellent. Congrats on that award. Uh, talking about the Final Four, interesting collection of schools. And I think it says a lot. We can kind of get into what's going on in, in college basketball. Um, we obviously follow San Diego State a lot. Yep. And Brian Dutcher, you know, Michigan guy, his dad was at Minnesota. What they've done, I think, has really been unnoticed over the years. And uh, this isn't shocking that they got to this level. They finally broke through. They had an unbeaten team until yep. the end of the season a couple of years ago. They were probably going to be a one or two seed. What do you think of San Diego State and, and their continuity, their culture, and the kind of defense they play? Well, Dutch is one of the best. And he's, one, he's probably one of the, not within the profession on the national media scene. He's probably one of the most underrated coaches. Um, they do what they do is very simple. They, they don't overcomplicate things, but they're great at what they do. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 I, I, I read a book that's Chop Wood, Carry Water. A great book, by the way. And to me, that's San Diego State basketball. They do what they do. It's simple, uh, and they do it great. And they're so good at, at, at fundamental things. And uh, uh, Dutch doesn't give enough, get enough credit. Uh, you throw in the fact then that they're old yep. and very experienced, and that's a, that's a huge key. And uh, uh, that team is um, very, very capable of winning this. It's the buy-in, really, and yeah. especially in the transfer era. Yeah, and I think that you've got, you've got four different styles. You've got four teams built completely different. Uh, you know, you've got maybe the, the, the most uh, uh, talked about anyway, NIL team in Miami and what happened, you know, last year with Nigel Pack. And, and they've, they've adopted to that, adapted to that. Uh, you know, and, and age is probably the common thing. Um, you know, teams are older. You know, I think the highest rated recruit playing in this thing is 47. There's no McDonald's All-Americans. Uh, hence, you know, there's the Blue Bloods aren't here. And, and it, I think that's great. So for you, did Miami do anything wrong with Nigel Pack or just publicize it? Because not everyone's publicizing what they're doing. No, they did nothing wrong. They, Jim Laranaga was great. He he had, he he embraced this, and and I think when you're in a in a in a power six conference, as I'm going to call them with the Big East, I think you have to maximize your opportunities and and to do that to give yourself the highest chance to be a great seed in the tournament, and um, uh, to be competitive, we 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 have to do that in our leagues, and uh, he's embraced that. Um, I think they all have, and, and uh, you know everybody in our in our conference in the Big Twelve wherever. Uh, but, um, you know, San Diego State, obviously, I, I don't know what it's out there, but 
he did nothing wrong. He just it just became uh, a point of public conversation. Illinois coach uh, Brad Underwood with us here on Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. You guys are all going to talk here at the NABC, the coaches convention. What do you think the conversation is going to be like? What do you think is going to be recommended? What would you guys like to see in terms of tweaks to NIL and the portal? I don't know if what's coming down the pike. I mean, we, we obviously have some court cases that are out there that will change some things. Um, you know, I think there's 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 an obvious look at wanting to make things, you know, making student athletes employees. I think that's a court case that's going on as we speak. Um, I don't know what that looks like yet. I think that'll be some topic of, of, of conversation. Um, you know, I think that um, maybe the toothpaste is out of the tube, so to speak. Um, I, I don't know how we go back on on the portal. Um, it, it's what about what about the double transfers? Because I'm seeing guys, you know, who came from somewhere, the, you know, the, then their middle part of their career is somewhere else. I'm all for kids' movement, and I, I think it's great moving up and down, and you know, money opportunities, playing opportunity. But the the double thing does seem to be a little beyond reach. Yeah, and I think we're going to have have different conversations about when uh, uh, coaches leave, when coaches get fired. Um, I think you're going to see um, uh, things challenged from a mental health standpoint um, and, and what those things might look like. Um, so I, I think it's a it, it, the NCAA is in a in a hard spot. I, I agree with you know I'm 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 old school. I don't think anybody ever got hurt. Uh, from sitting out when they transferred. Um, They especially gained physically. They gained academically. Um, What I don't want to see happen is is student-athletes get hurt because they're losing college credits uh, every time they transfer and or now they're not graduating because they've lost credits. And, uh, you know, let's face it, 1% become pros. And, uh, you know, I don't want... I don't want that to happen, but um, again, it's very challenging, and and I think we're in a we're we're the toothpaste is out, so to speak. There's also the weird line with you guys, because I think everyone assumes the money and the deals are coming directly from you, and it's supposed to be separate with NIL. So then I wonder when when you're talking to uh, potential freshmen, but especially guys out of the transfer portal, I don't even how do you even address? Hey, coach, what am I getting? Yeah, we don't. Right. I mean, it it is it is very simple. It's it's. Um, um, you know, we do everything through a collective. We've got uh, that's an outside ran group uh, from our university. Uh, somebody makes a living on that, uh, and um, you know, it's we we don't talk about it, but we do have um, a great situation from that standpoint. If you come here, then you could possibly do this and get this. And uh, I think there's tremendous value in the name on the front of your jersey as well. Yeah. And that continues to grow young people's NIL, and I'm a big, big fan of that. Last one, I got 30 seconds left. We're talking about all these things you have to adjust to. How about adjusting to the fact that you're adding new teams to the Big Ten? Oh. And there's going to be uh, trips out to LA. It's great. I don't know how it's all going to work. Somebody smarter <laughs> than me is going to have to plan that. You know, you've got um, you, you've got one on the semester, one on the quarter I think you got different breaks you've got different academic responsibilities uh, somebody a lot smarter than me is is going to have to figure out the scheduling piece of that for a lot of sports but I couldn't be more excited to have those two teams joining us historic programs both on the football field and 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 on the basketball court and and um, uh, glad to have them. coach we appreciate it and uh, congrats on the coaches versus cancer award and we'll see you out in Vegas in May look forward to seeing it thanks yeah, May, golf tournament, coaches versus Cantor. This whole thing was started up by the Kruger family, Lon Kruger. We had Kevin on earlier, Kevin Kruger, the uh, head coach of the Runner Rebels, which, by the way, we'll have all podcasted right after 6 o'clock at LV Sports Network.
com and Kevin talked a lot about the importance of you know stepping back and uh, for all coaches and everyone around college basketball it's a great um, celebration of what they've done it's a very serious cause you're not you know certainly not celebrating that way but uh, the amount of money they've raised for uh, coach in coaches versus cancer uh, up at cancer.org has been uh, just amazing, amazing. I'm going to have some updates a little later on the transfer portal, and uh, also I'll tell you what Kevin Kruger told us earlier about uh, his guys and the portal. We're down here in H-Town, Final Four on the road, courtesy of Finley Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow and the 215 and online at SubaruOfLasVegas.com. And don't forget our good friends over at SG Bar, Flamingo and 215. Willie's going to be there. Willie Ramirez on the scene. Big watch party. Chance and the Vegas Vivas on the scene to watch the Golden Knights against the Sharks. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, rolling on here in uh, Houston. It's Cofield on the road. Final Four coming up on Saturday, and then, of course, the title game on Monday. You can hear all of that on ESPN Las Vegas. We are the home down the stretch here of the NCAA tournament on 1198.9 FM. Coverage brought to you by, uh, well, a lot of the help from Westwood One. They uh, did a great job with the setup here. We're back here tomorrow for three hours. We have some great guests lined up. Tomorrow uh, and later in this show, we're going to talk to Steve Fisher and Marvin Menzies and Coach Joe is going to be in. Coach Joe Esposito, but uh, Radio Row is brought to you by CDW for cloud, mobility, security, and uh, data center solutions. Turn to CDW. People who get it. So speaking of people who get it, um, I don't know that we can name, you know, 10 coaches right now who truly get it because it's almost impossible to get. And what I'm talking about is the transfer portal. And we've had discussions all day long. If you missed the conversations earlier with Kevin Kruger, again, we'll have that up on lvsportsnetwork.com. The archives of it, um, you know, he's still trying to figure it out. Coaches are trying to figure it out. Uh, players are trying to figure it out. Um, Kruger told us that he thinks things are going to normalize once players start to realize that hitting second and third schools may not be what you thought it was going to be and doing it. He didn't say this part, but doing it just for uh, money, um, you got to think things through. Uh, so he thinks it's going to normalize at some point, but they've got to play the game right now. Um, and we talked to Robbie Hummel, who's a former Purdue player, and, and you know, he said what I say all the time. I'm, you know, I'm in favor of kids getting paid and you know opportunities to move up. There's some great stories in this tournament uh, and move down, move laterally. I think Elijah Harkless was a great story of a guy who was playing in a Power Five and came to UNLV and excelled. It, it's but what we're hearing is panic from people. And the coaches who panic and the analysts on ESPN and other uh, networks, CBS, who panic, um, they're misguided here because there's going to be some guardrails put up, and that's what they're here for. It's NABC. They have the big basketball convention. It's coaches from all different levels. Uh, this will be part of the process of talking it out, and they will get it fixed. Uh, they'll come out of it, and there will be opportunities for kids to make money. Um, I don't think switching every single year and going to four schools will be the norm in the future. And it's not the norm now, but there are kids who are going to three different schools. Uh, that's going to change. And on the flip side of it, again, and Brad Underwood just said it a couple minutes ago with us, that he's happy for the kids, um, and they're going to close some of the loopholes with the transfer portal and with NIL. Uh, but I'm glad he said it because so many coaches don't say it. Well, one of the things we have to recognize is the fact that there's the other element when coaches get fired or they leave. And then what? They should be locked in coach. So coaches have full flexibility and mobility to move on. 
firing is not moving on. You were you were told to leave. But when you bring in a kid, um, I'll, I'll give you a good example. So Ryan Odom was not fired, but he chose to take another job. So that that is a top three program right now. I mean, I I'd like to say UNLV is, but UNLV's got to you know get more stable uh, and produce at a higher level. Utah State is one of the top three programs in the conference, and you know they've built it over the years, going back to Stu Morrill. It's a pretty special place. They have a, a good fan base. I think there are challenges of bringing uh, kids to uh, Logan. Uh, it's not one of my favorite places, but they get it done, and they've got a culture there, and they win. Well, Ryan Odom leaves. Well, th- there are kids who've come to school there who may not be you know fully in the Utah State fold. You know, traditional players that they've gotten in the past, or you know, families, especially Mormon families. Um, you know, a, a good example here, and I think he's going to stick with it. But uh, UNLV was in on a kid. Uh, of course, he's in Texas. He is Mormon, um, and he wound up uh, in the end committing to on uh, a final list of uh, Utah Valley, UNLV, and Utah State. He wound up committing to Utah State. That kid has made a decision that he thinks is really important in life, and it is. And now all of a sudden, the guy who brought him there, Ryan Odom, is gone. Now Odom may try to take him to VCU. I have no idea if Carson Temple and open things back up. Uh, what will happen to him in the past? There'd be a feeding frenzy to get a freshman. Right now, you know, a three-star freshman is not guaranteed. If he opens things back up to hit the same level, he may go higher, he may go laterally, he may go lower. So now that kid's got to make a decision. So there's a lot to work on here with the transfer portal. Trip here to the Final Four is brought to you by our friends at Subaru of Las Vegas and Finley Subaru of Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Rolling on Houston Radio Row for the Final Four. Uh, coming up, convos with uh, former UNLV coach Marvin Menzies, along with Tubby Smith. Joe Esposito is going to be in. All those guys are on board in about 15 minutes. Giveaway time right now, 364-1100, The concerts keep coming. Craig Williams, our promotions guy, doing an awesome job. Show this Saturday at Allegiant Red Hot Chili Peppers. Two tickets for Red Hot Chili Peppers. Caller 7 right now, 364-1100. You want to grab tickets on your own if uh, you don't win with Ari? Ticketmaster.com. Again, Saturday show, Red Hot Chili Peppers. So we've had a bunch of good guests on already. Um, I enjoyed actually talking to the uh, the Howard coach, Kenny Blakeney, because I think he's going to build something good there and then move up the chain. And Illinois coach, Brad Underwood. I would be really afraid right now if I mentioned Greg Gard. Brad Powers is with us. Brad, how you doing? Hey, doing all right. How are you? If I had Greg Gard here and I was promoting it, would you flip out? Because, uh, my lord... You're running college basketball. You have expressed some frustration, and you were very frustrated with Wisconsin and Greg Gard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I exaggerate <laughs> quite a bit on Twitter, but yes. uh, uh, I, I, what was an exaggeration was, I mean, that's some of the worst, co- you know, offensive college basketball that we've seen in recent, I mean, modern college basketball history. Because, uh, I mean, anytime in today's day and age, <laughs> you don't score a single point, a single point. I'm not talking about zero field goals and. You're still able to get to the line, you know, and get six to seven points on the line. I'm talking zero points in nine plus minutes with a championship basically on the line. I mean, that is just brutal. I mean, we're, it took me back to the, you know, four corners offense with no shot clock. I mean, maybe you used to see something like that back then, but, but not anything in the last 20 years. Yeah, it's funny with a lot of the coaches and the college basketball experts, I've been talking about the Big Ten and the style of basketball and trying to diagnose why they just have not had that much success outside of, you know, Izzo going to a bunch of Final Fours. They won a national title and now 
20 years, and I think we've talked about this in the past. Uh, Wisconsin's a prime example. I, to me, sticking with the formula of having uh, you know, 6'9", 6'11", at the uh, the 4 and 5, and then not enough shooters outside and not enough athletes outside to break down people with a dribble. Everyone in the Big Ten, everyone's comfortable playing games, not 13 points in the second half, but they're comfortable playing games in the 40s and 50s sometimes. And I'm telling you, the conference has got to break out of this. I mean, you know, for Wisconsin to – I'm not saying they had to win the NIT, but to lose that way is a prime example of what sort of just really frustrating basketball the Big Ten produces with brawl ball. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a throwback conference. Uh, you know, you don't see a lot of seven-plus-footers, uh, you know, that playing old-style. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about being able to, to, to shoot from the outside. I'm talking the old-school guys like Zach Eady. Just, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, it just doesn't translate very well. And it, it's kind of, I mean, I, bad example of the fact that, you know, San Diego State made the Final Four, but, I mean, Mountain West also struggles with it. I mean, it's kind yep. of bully ball. It's low tempo. It's very similar. And, you know, besides San Diego State's run here, I mean, the Mountain West has had, you know, the unbelievable failure rate. I mean, look, basketball, you know, kind of top down, started with the NBA, the evolution, everybody on the floor can shoot from the outside. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that it's necessarily made its way to the Big Ten yet. I Look, I'm from Ohio. I know it's like going back in time there, but, uh, you know, if, if you do want to win, uh, at least at the basketball level, you, you can't be playing like it's 1995. Did you have a play tonight, a recommended side or total in the NIT final with UAB laying two and a half and the total 129? You know what? I did not. And, uh, you know, I made 500 college basketball bets in about a month, but uh, I did not bet tonight's game. Uh, I would say UAB seems a little pricey. Um, and that would be the most of the, I mean, that's their fourth meeting between the two teams already this year. And, and this is the biggest favorite role for UAB. But with that being said, uh, you know, market-wise, the market was very pro-UAB in the last game uh, and a little bit anti-North Texas. So I'm not surprised with a little bit of the UAB money we're seeing in the market. Could there be another storyline? I know you always love storylines because I, I look at emotional spots. Could there be a storyline on the North Texas side, the dog, uh, and the fact that I have no idea if the coach would be like, I'm leaving, play hard for me, or actually it could backfire on him. But it sounds like Grant McCaslin is actually going to take the Texas Tech job after this. I wonder if the kids know and if, like, if it's, you know, I, I don't think they would let down on the spot, but if they want to rally for the guy, like, hey, coach, thanks a lot. <laughs> I've been in the game long enough uh, to know that it's tough to quantify. Uh, a lot of motivation. Uh, yeah. So, if you can't get motivated for a championship, and look, the NIT, you know, nationwide, does it move the needle? No, but it should move the needle for uh, either of these two programs tonight. A UAB or North Texas, the, the ability to hang a banner, uh, I think it'd still be pretty pretty prestigious. So, if they can't get up for tonight, uh, they got something wrong. Final four, let's break it down. The two games. Uh, one, just the overarching uh, theme here of who can win the title. I made a bet the other day. I pr- I'm pretty sure it was a terrible bet. Um, should you bet a team if the in the case of UConn uh, two days ago there were 125 minus 125 to win the title? I laid some pizza money down. Is that just a stupid bet? Well, I mean, it's a late to the party bet uh, to, to say the least. Yeah, uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying you can to say I mean, it's terrible. The math. I mean, look, I mean, you'd be. I mean, you win more if you just bet them on the money. If you're that confident, I mean, just you know, why not win twice? I mean, bet them on the money line against Miami, Florida. I know you got late two fifty, and I mean, look, it's going to be a very similar point. Depending, I mean, if they beat Miami by thirty, it won't be. But 
I mean, let's just say they meet expectation and win the game by five or six points. I mean, they're still, believe it or not, going to be about that kind of point spread favorite against the, the FAU San Diego State winner. So you just have to leave minus 250 again. But I, I just, I know a lot of the Joel Q public is scared of laying anything more than what you did, like that minus 125. They get super scared. Uh, yeah. But the, I think you'd be better off just a money line roll over here. Why, why not win two units? What do you want to play in this game? Miami plus five and a half. I played Connecticut. I laid five on the open. Now, I mean, that was, you know, more of a market prediction. I thought that there's no way this line is going down any further. I can only see it going up. I would still lean Connecticut's way. And, I mean, I'll just say this. I mean, I've said this since the, the second half of the Iona game. And, look, I, it's tough to quantify something like this, but I'm getting old. I've watched, you know, college basketball for 30 years now. I, I said that Connecticut just looks different than anybody else. I, I mean, everybody that can score at all the positions, they bring a seven foot two guy off the bench. They got a banger down low. They got a, you know, a sharpshooter at the number two guard. They got a three guard at six foot five. That Jackson kid, he can play point guards. I mean, that's just very rare. Uh, there's just not a lot of weaknesses on the team. I thought the biggest question mark on the team was early coming into it. You know, could he take a team this far? And he's answered that and then some. I know Larinag is a very good coach. I know that. I mean, I, you know, I remember when he was at Bowling Green. I mean, in my childhood, my entire childhood, he was the head coach of Bowling Green. So, <laughs> I mean, I respect him and everything. But, uh, uh, you know, I think Connecticut not only, you know, wins this game, they cover it, and then they, they do the same, and they make it six straight covers uh, when they play in the championship game. Brad Powers is with us, BradPowersSports.com, Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. You know, we go hardcore college basketball like we're doing for these two days. A lot of my, you know, consistent themes come out, and I just keep, I say them over and over again, and I keep talking to everyone about the uh, the game now, you know, with my, my preferred lineups have, you know, one big, four smalls. The big better be able to go out to the perimeter. And it's funny, when you mentioned the kid Klingon, who's 7'2", who's at UConn, freshman, had a really good year, like, you know, seven points and, you know, six and a half rebounds a game. And I swear, as I was watching him at 7'2", and 250, I'm like, I don't know if this guy, like, I don't know if he can play. But if he played and he's productive, um, you just wonder when he's on the floor, can teams take advantage of him? While he has a strength inside blocking shots and on putbacks, like, if you start dragging him out, I, it's just, it's so weird to watch basketball now and the guys who used to dominate, you'd be like, we have to get that 7'2 guy. And now I watch the game and I'm like, I don't want him. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's important to note that he's not a starter. He's a guy off the yeah. bench, and I think it, you know, having having the ability to have different looks and lineups and different sizes. I think that's, you know, I I like the versatility of Connecticut's lineup. Would right. I like him as much if you know Clinton was they had to rely on him like Purdue does? Zach Eady? No, I wouldn't. But uh, it doesn't bother me that he comes off the bench. I can't. And when you got their their perfect guy down low is a Sonogo kid at six nine a banger. I mean you just don't see that too often anymore. And uh, again, there's just I mean they need a weakness on Connecticut. This is the team. I mean, I mean the biggest question mark might have been just their January that they just had a little bit of a slump. This was the best team in college basketball yep. in November and December, and you know February played really well, and they're, they're looking by far like the best team right now. So I mean, other than like a little bit of a slump in the season. I mean, we'd be talking about this team maybe being even historically great. San Diego State is three against Florida Atlantic, so uh, will Cinderella have the uh, slipper taken off and just snapped right in their face? (laughs) 
Well, which one's Cinderella? You're talking FAU Cinderella, San Diego State. Yeah, no, FAU is Goliath. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. San Diego State's not Goliath, but it's a it's a traditional winning program on the West Coast, and they've I think they've been building to this to start making bigger advances in the tournament. FAU is a true Cinderella. I agree. uh, Although I mean, they've been an impressive team. I I mean, if you believe in efficiency rankings, uh, I mean. FAU's been uh, you know top thirty ish for, for a while now, um, and now they're up to seventeen in a Kempom. So uh, I know they got a nine seed in front of them, but they're, they're a legit good team at thirty five and three. I think it's important to know, and I know you probably talk about it. I mean, has a one bid league had as good of a postseason as Conference USA? I don't think any of the, any conference has ever had this type of a uh, postseason run that Conference USA. So. Not only do I think FAU is a good team, but they, they actually play in a, what appears to be a really good conference. So, with that being said, though, uh, matchup-wise, I kind of like San Diego State. Uh, I, I just think it, the thing that I'm most confident in is San Diego State's defense. And, you know, with, with all the bright lights and the unique shooting backdrops and whatnot, mm-hmm. I, the, the most confident thing I am is the Aztecs' defense. I think will rule the day. And, uh, you know, the, 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 they'll rule the day, I should say. And uh, I bet San Diego State laid one and a half. We saw a ton of sharp money up here in the market today on San Diego State. Boy, that is a theme. I totally forgot to bring up that one because that's one I'll throw out every year as well. You nailed it. These are these giant football stadiums with that shooting background. Sometimes the at least the first half, everyone's trying to adjust, and you can have some pretty low totals uh, early in the game. Yeah, and the last time it was in Houston, it was brutal. It was, uh, uh, I think, that Connecticut-Butler final, and the, the scoring was down like 40-plus points a game in the three games, so keep that in mind. Final Four, all brought to you by our coverage, is brought to you by our friends at Finley Subaru of Las Vegas on uh, Rainbow and the 215 and online at Subaru of Las Vegas. Dot com. So uh, you've expressed some frustration, uh, you know, with trying to bet the NCAA tournament. And I saw you the other day. I'm like, eh, I think I'm done, and it is time to start turning my attention to football. And then you're like, you weren't playing around. I'm I'm seeing what you're posting on Twitter, and you're, you're like, I'm watching games from last year. It's go time. So what's the mission now for the next couple of weeks? When you're you're, why are you watching games from last season? Well, I mean, Willie Hill just posted, you know, conference odds. For the major five conferences, let's like, do like it. Future odds, so I mean, let's you got to be ready. I mean, they're, they're, last year I was betting week one games. Uh, the day after the, the national championship game, so it would be Tuesday. I was betting week one games, and they got started getting posted. Uh, some of the bigger games, so that's why. I mean, the market starts getting released, uh, and it just you know with 133 teams in the transfer portal uh, and whatnot, and, and still you know we're having some ramifications of that extra year of eligibility because of COVID. Right now, I'm watching games from last year, seeing, you know, not necessarily, I know who the starters and stuff are. I'm looking for the guys that played 10, 15, 20 snaps a game that are now going to be, regu- you know, regular contributors and be starters this year, whether or not they can play. And I'm going through each and all the start charts from last year, the depth charts, and I'm actually, you know, doing it old school style, doing my own returning starters and returning production because, Love you it. know, the, 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 the rosters that are never. You know, it's constantly changing, and we're going to have another roster update at the end of spring when they open up the transfer portal again. Yeah. Brad, we appreciate it. I hope you win this weekend. Thanks for the time, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. There he is, Brad Powers, bradpowersports.com, and at bradpowers7 up on Twitter. He's right, William Hill, Pac-12 champ, game-winning odds, USC plus 170, Oregon plus 250, Washington plus 400, the Conference of Quarterbacks.